Barely Legal Comedy Podcast with Chris Keogh and Alex Boardman. Music, White Bat Audio, 80s Retro Synthwave Mix. Hello, uh, Barely Legal Comedy Podcast listeners. Um, wait for this. This is just going to blow your mind. It's dinner time, or if you're from the south, lunch time. Uh, <laughs> and Keo is mid lunch stroke dinner. Well, it's dinner. I am. Yeah, I am. What are you having? What? Do, let me guess. What a lecturer at a top university would have. I'd imagine oysters to start with, and then possibly <laughs> some sort of turbot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what life you think lecturers lead. Um, obviously, one. a and glamorous then, one. Yeah, yeah. You probably like had some sort of. I don't know, some bust up with a kid from the wrong side of the tracks this morning, but you got through to him with some tough love. Uh, and then this afternoon, there's a mysterious new Argentinian student starting. <laughs> She's 22. She's gorgeous. But is it a trap? Is it a honey trap? Who knows? Set up by the dean who hates your ways. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I just won't conform to yeah. his button-down <laughs> lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He wants you to teach criminal law as it's written in the books, not the way you teach it. Yeah, 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 yeah. As I think it should be. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, well, uh, you're half right um, in the. I'm eating. There is fish involved in my lunch, but really? it's so I'm having a pot noodle that I've added some sardines to. Your 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 pause speaks volumes, there, Alex. What? What? That that's absolutely ludicrous. That makes no, no. sense on any level. What, well, so no, right. What, what what it is? What pot noodle? Firstly, Be, let me guess: beef and tomato. Well, actually, when I say pot noodle, I actually mean it's an itsu noodles thing. Of so it is. it's of noodles it is. in a pot, but it's posh pot noodle. Yeah. Um, so it's itsu protein noodles, super sesame flavor. Okay. <laughs> so, so it's got like miso and sesame paste in it. Yeah. I think. Um, the soya bean noodles with a sesame flavoured miso based broth, and I've just put some sardines in that. Basically. Sardines are, are awful unless they're just fresh and grilled. No, tin sardines are nice. I like tin fish. No, even on toast. The only way, like, I had them on toast, like, when I used to live with my grandma when I was little. And yeah. my granddaddy. Yeah, but they ate things from the war because there was no food. And it was the kind of thing that you go, well, I can eat this. Look how tough I am. And then you just go back a year later and go, why was I eating that? That's just absolute <laughs> garbage. You've done it again. You've proven what? my theory about, like, cheese on toast. Is This is my best theory about life. It cannot be taught right. as a meal because it's just perfect. It's dead quick. Pot yeah, noodles, no, I agree with that. Yeah, Pot noodles are in that category. You can't snazz up a pot noodle because a pot noodle, it's like a packet of Walker's crisps. They yeah. just perfect on their own and then you go oh even i like the sensations i love all those kind of chris but even then just like a packet of cheese and onion with a sandwich is the perfect dinner and here's you fanning about with snazzy noodles that you i don't know where you bought probably probably bought them at some sort of you traded one of your paintings for them at a craft market <laughs> or something and then some sardines come on you're not living life to the full I feel like I am, to be honest with you, but <laughs> you know, there we are. You know, anyway, you can put that in the bin because you, you, you should be eating oysters and turbot, and I'll tell you why. Uh, 
Hey, Pinecaster. That's us. We're on Pinecast. Um, Barely Legal Comedy Podcast received a tip of £10. Yay. Another one. Big Harry. Oh, my God. Has sent it. So I don't oh, know. Right. My that... favourite of my favourite of the great apes. Really? Yeah. I like humans best. Yeah, really. Yeah. Humans. Humans can get in the bin. No. Orangutans are, uh, are, the, are, the, are, the, are the way forward. Humans have the uses. And orangutan. I don't know. I'll, I'll be honest. I liked him in that film with Cliff, Clint Eastwood. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were good then, weren't they? He acted Clint Eastwood off the stage. Off the stage, Clyde. <laughs> Clyde. <laughs> Clyde. So, I, actually, that would be great. If we got big, hairy orangutan, I could do with a simian sidekick. Um, yeah. In fact, is an ape a simian or not? I don't know. I don't know. I just that's, went for uh, the alliteration, but it yeah, that, be... that's that was it was a nice it was a nice bit of alliteration. It was, it? wasn't it? It would. I I would like to have adventures with a monkey sat in the car, and though an ape, an ape's not a monkey, but big <laughs> orange uh, orangutan, big hairy orangutan. We don't know he's orange. Well, orangutans are orange, aren't we? But imagine if you pulled up at some traffic lights and then you just, let's call him Clyde. <laughs> and you just said, Clyde, yeah. punch that cyclist who's been annoying me for the last five minutes as he keeps going into my side of the lane. And then you could just smack him and knock him out. And then also couldn't be prosecuted because he's, a, he's not a person, is he? No, exactly. But I'm just looking now. Simians are split into two distinct groups, okay? Yeah. The New World Monkeys... Right. Uh, which I'm sure I saw them at Glastonbury. But, yes, um, that's and... a great name for a band, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And the um, well, old world monkeys, basically. The right. Katarini occupying the old world. Right, um, okay. Yeah, so there you go. So um, that doesn't help us, does it? Well, no, well, um, so wait, and where do orangutans live? South America? So Rainforest, oh, South America, don't they? So that would be... No, no, orangutans world. live in, like... Uh, in the in, in Indonesia, don't they? Borneo and places like that. Oh, Borneo, yes, they do. Yes, they do. Yeah. Right. So, so but it says monkeys rather than apes, but I think that they include apes. Yeah, so I think they are a simian. You, you've, you've passed the uh, fact check. You'll be able to get that onto the onto the BBC if, you, if this ever goes that far. So yeah, well, if it does. Well, we need to avoid that because of all your past sexual... Uh, indiscretions. Yeah, because, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, exactly. I've not. I've, well, basically, what you're saying is that I've, I've not got enough skeletons in the co- closet <laughs> to get onto the BBC. No, no. It's, I don't know how. It felt a bit odd. So the Russell Brand dispatches. I've not seen it. I was at a gig. I meant to go back and watch it, expecting it to be loads of allegations against loads of different people, and then. By the time a few people had texted me and went, oh, it's Russell Brand, and then it was all over Facebook, all over Twitter, which I was looking at when I was at the gig. And then I just yeah. sort of thought, because all the, there were clips that people put on and loads of comments, and I was like, I don't know if I really need to see this now, because it's yeah. quite clear what, what's what been alleged. But it also seemed a little bit rich that Channel 4 were blaming the BBC, because he had a radio show yeah. on the BBC, when it was like... It, Unless I, my memory's absolutely wrong, he used to be on MTV, I think, and he used to be on Russell Brand used to be on MTV, and then he was on Big Brother's Little Brother, and he was yeah, yeah, he was on Channel Four at the time, yeah, yeah. And they, they um, to be fair, I think that they did sort of, you know, um, inculpate themselves as well in, okay. in the criticism, yeah. So you know, they couldn't ignore that sort of elephant in the room, really. So 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not an elephant, it's Russell Brand with his cock out <laughs> and both his pockets turned out. <laughs> Although he'd probably like that because you said he's got a bit of a trunk. I just remember him being obsessed um, when sometimes you'd hear him on the radio or anything you'd ever see him on. All he ever did was talk about basically his, his cock, it seemed like. Yeah, yeah. His entire, he seemed like a sort of almost like a Shakespearean buffoon. Like, um, <laughs> didn't he? Like he kind of just come on, and whatever the circumstance, he'd he'd he'd, he'd just never say anything, but he'd say it with like twenty long words that never really added to. Well, he wasn't saying anything, so he just used to just list words. It was like a a sort of foppish thesaurus, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, he's like, what's the, what's the there's there's a. Um... There's a word to describe. Well, there's lots of words to describe him, isn't there? But um, that's it. He, he's was it sesquipedalian, isn't it? Is the wow. sort of like is that unnecessary? Un, hey, is that Susie Dent word of the day? <laughs> it should be. Um, I've just googled it. Um, yeah, sesquipedalian is uh, describing someone or something that overuses big words. Um, and what I like about that is that it is unnecessarily big, complicated word yes. in and of itself, isn't it? So yes. that works in a we lot used of levels. To say verbose. That was the yes. same. He's verbose. Well, he's because he said something about like in his video that he put out before the. So I, I was gigging over the weekend. So I had a I was I had a gig in Birmingham on the Friday night, um, and I was supporting Jeff again uh, on tour. Um, and he was saying, "Have you heard about this? There's going to be this sort of expose of various yes. comedians. You know, that's that was what everyone thought it was going to be." And then I saw him again on the Saturday, and it was like, "Oh, it's just Russell Brand because yes. we all we've all sort of heard all this before." Um, and, and yeah, but then he, he released that video, didn't he, on the Friday night, Russell Brand sort of, uh, in a sort of preemptive response to it. And he, he used the term, and, and like, for me, this like just makes it like worse than anything else in a lot of ways. You know, like this just like, is like the, the, the level of sort of pissy icing on the shit cake, you know, um, is that, <laughs> that's <laughs> probably what you're having for your dessert. After you sardines and pot noodle, shitty cake with pissy icing. <laughs> is it when he described the uh, allegations as being Baroque, these are going to be some yeah. Baroque allegations. Like that makes literally no sense. It, yes. Yeah. I, that was, that was always my trouble with him. So when he started to try and decipher what he was saying, um, once he's, he's like thrown in three adjectives that all seem to contradict each other, you were, I was always a bit lost as to what he was saying. Um, which I would like to point out that um, I never met him in person. I never gigged with him. I don't think I ever could. I never really saw him do stand up because whenever he was on telly, it was one of those um, like visceral reactions, really, where I, I almost felt like I was going to be sick. Or I'd have to start clawing my own eyes out if I watched more than about 20 seconds of him because <laughs> he didn't seem like a stand-up. He seemed like one of those people that do comedy who don't really know what comedy is, don't really have yeah, any jokes, yeah. don't have any viewpoint, don't do anything really apart from... I mean, I bet he was really successful for what he started out to do because I bet he, he looks like someone who just wanted to be famous and... Have lots of sex, and he, he kind of he kind yeah, of did yeah. that. Like, sort of achieved all his goals there, didn't he? You know, yeah, so yeah. He never but seen, um, not that you need yeah. a point. I don't particularly like. I don't always like comedians who have a point either. 
or you know, no. or not. I, I think the whole point is Stan Laurel is as good as anyone that's ever been, and yeah. I didn't really yeah. have a point other than he's just going to do some funny things and it's going to be silly and a, and a good laugh. That's yeah, enough. exactly. That's enough. That, I think that should be the main point of, of all comedians. Is that? Well, that's I think funny. I think it's what you're judged by, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah, it should be um, as well. I think it really should be. Oh my god, three blackbirds now. I've got three actual male blackbirds in the garden. Oh, cool. It's gone. It's gone crackers. Um, so that is the big, big topic in the last week or so. So if we do a Russell Brand special, um, it will attract lots of new listeners, possibly even Russell Brand himself. So yeah. it's up to you to choose what we're doing it on. I'm 100% <laughs> certain you will not choose that topic you will choose I, should I have a guess as to what you're going to do I don't know yeah go on Suella Braverman did a speech yesterday yeah is it about that that's what I was going to talk oh about oh my yeah. god I knew you would <laughs> I knew you would because she did a speech to like 20 people there were, yeah there were about 20 people I didn't know I didn't realise that it was like it was a proper it was a good example of you know when comedians like do Edinburgh or do a gig mm. or something like that and they just and they'll say something cryptic like going Oh, I'm a gigging in, and they just say the city that they're in, yeah. or whatever, and it makes you think. Oh, Liverpool, he must be doing hot water or something. Yeah, yeah. And then, it, like, you you look at this sort of imagery, and it's like, oh no, it's like to just the ten people in a pub yeah, it's it, a that happens to be in the same town. Yeah, street. yeah, you know. Yeah. So it's uh, it was a bit like that, wasn't it? Because it was like I'm doing a speech to the UN tomorrow, and uh, it turns out it's just some like room next to where the UN are, just full of twenty or thirty probably old racist blokes, you know, it yes. was just like... Now, is the topic of this, just going off your past form, is it another refugee special? Well, it, it sort of is. What I oh wanted to God. sort of, like, you, show... This is, it's a criminal, barely legal podcast, right? Yeah. It's barely legal. It's only... <clears throat> we should rechange it to... Change the name to Refugee Podcast. Refugees are us podcast. Have you got no other interests? Other than yeah, well, no, uh, all right, for the sake of argument, no, I have no other interests. I don't think you, you know, have. But... Sardines. You're living, you're living like a refugee yourself. I wonder if it's like chic. Do you remember when heroin chic was bigger back five years ago? Yeah, refugee, refugee chic. Yeah, Fu- Fu- Fuji chic. Yeah, that's what... <laughs> right, so come on then. I, I honestly... Well, you see... I, I wanted to talk about Russell Brand, right? That's what I thought. Yes. But it's a little bit... I think it's... I genuinely think it's too difficult to talk about without potentially opening ourselves up and to, um, you know, to, to you know, being a bit like... The, you know, there's, there's live allegations and there's investigations and all that going on and it's very sort of like difficult to, to talk about it in any great depth, I yes. think, from a legal perspective beyond us doing... You know, we have talked about it a little bit, haven't we? Um, and I think it's difficult to talk about it beyond that until more concrete stuff has come out and we know where things are up to, vis-a-vis investigations and stuff like that. So basically, I'm waiting until to do the Russell Brand one until he gets arrested for something. Right, That's okay. what I'm waiting for. Is that... Um, do we know how... Because someone else, I think, came forward yesterday or the day before uh, saying yeah. so, with another similar allegation about 15, 16 years ago. Yeah, so I think that the the police are investigating um, further allegations. Again, they they they've said I think the words they use were that they were non recent or something. It was like a weird way of of putting it. They've sort of said 
um, that it's, let me just have a look at what the actual wording was from the police. Um, we've also received a number of allegations of sexual offences committed elsewhere in the country. We'll investigate these, they've said. Um, and they're encouraging people to come forward. But yeah, they, they say that they yeah, they said that they were non-recent, by which normally you would say historic. That's what you mean by like, so like you know, historic sexual offences means something that's not happened in the very recent past. You know, it's not a contemporaneous report. It's something that happened to you when you were younger, basically, has been brought forward, which lots of, you know, these allegations are because that's the nature of them. You know, the, the yes. nature of the, the situation is is that, you know, people don't feel empowered to report things at a time because of all sorts of societal issues we have, I guess, around sex and, uh, you know, as much as anything else and, you know, the, and and often you know the offender is known to the victim and they don't want to get them in trouble you know there's a there's a, it's a very complicated situation so um i know we said we weren't doing a russell brussel brand episode it turns out we are um, uh, and well it's, it's, you know steer you away from refugees that's all yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, in in that you know i've seen lots of people say well why didn't they come out with these claims at the time you know like you, you see this quite often and it's like well you know uh, Lots of reasons, basically, that are all being reported on, you know, at great volume um, and, and that aren't difficult to understand if you give it sort of like a moment's thought, really, you know, is, is that people try and put it behind them and then something will, will trigger that memory yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and come forward. In this case, like, you know, I think it's, it's public knowledge that we know that Russell Brand is very litigious and we know that he, you know, effectively did lots, you know, via law firms you know, acting within the law as they as it exists in relation to, to libel and the various powers that you've got using injunctive relief and so on, did lots of things to keep this, lots of these allegations from becoming public. I think that's, you know, like that, that's been reported on now. Um, and, you know, so so there's lots of reasons why people didn't come forward, you know, the, it, it, specifically to, to this case and also in general about uh, about this this type of offending. Um, and the idea that people just do it because, you know, you see this as well, that the victims are just saying this because they get a bit of notoriety or because they'll get some money out of it and so on. And it's like, well, no, that doesn't really make any sense at all. You know, what, what if you want notoriety, why would you want it to be, why would you, why would you choose to portray yourself as a victim of, of, you know, of, of, of a type of offending, which is very personal and, you know, and, and traumatic for people. Like right? that, that doesn't make sense on a, even like the most basic sort of analysis, I wouldn't have thought. No. Right, two questions quickly, and then yeah. we'll move on to what you really want to talk about. Because um, this is this is like the hot topic at the moment, isn't it? Um, one, is there a statute, statute of limitations that you might have heard of in an American crime drama, which essentially statute of limitations is after five years, after 10 years, after 15 years, you can no longer bring a legal case after the event uh, in America for yeah. certain crimes. So say say you assaulted me 12 years ago and there's a statute of limitations on 10 years uh, in American law. Well, I can't now go back and say, 12 years ago, you punched me in the face. I want to sue you. They can say, well, the statute of limitations said you had to do it within 10 years. Does that exist in UK law? Well, certainly not in relation to this offending. No, it, 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 there are um, limitations in relation to summary offences. So summary offences are offences that um, are tried in the magistrate's court. So they're less serious offences. You know, they're sort of like minor, more minor offences. Um, and there you have to... It's, it's not that you as an individual are prevented from reporting it to the police after a certain period of time. It's that you are prevented... from the, the 
prosecution um, are prevented from um, bringing the case to bring of, of creating a prosecution basically against you after a six month period. So criminal proceedings basically must be brought within six months um, uh, of the actual event itself. So not of you realizing that you know that an offence has taken place, or of six months of it being reported to the police. It's six months after the actual you know, incidents that gave rise to the offence. So that's for summary offences. After that, um, there are, there's no limitation period uh, for criminal offences. So anything that is an either way offence, that anything that's going to be tried in the Crown Court, there's no limitation period at all. So you can be convicted of something you did 50 years ago, potentially. Yes. What we do have is whether or not it's in the public interest. So there's the two cold test. Uh, there's a full cold test, sorry, that the CPS have to um, satisfy in order to bring a prosecution. That is that a prosecution can only be brought if, one, the um, there's a reasonable prospect of success. So it's not a spurious, well, you know, you're not wasting the court's time with yeah. something that was never going to be able to get over the line evidentially. Um, and two, that it's in the public interest to bring the prosecution. So where it, it might not be in the prosecution to, you know, prosecute someone it might, it might not be in the public interest to prosecute someone for um, a, a sort of mid-tier offence 40 years down the line, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but but if it's something like rape um, or murder or very serious offences, then realistically that will probably go out of the window. You know, we, we see people prosecuted for very serious offences all the time, certainly not just in UK law, but not in the UK, but also in international courts. You know, if you look at people associated with, you know, war crimes yeah. and so on, it's like doddery old men in the you know nearly a hundred year old prosecuted for things that they did when they were you know in the twenties and thirties. So um, yeah, so you know basically the more serious the offence, the more likely it is to be in the public interest that you can be prosecuted for it x number of years down the line. Excellent. So in this case, um, there's, yeah, there's nothing that would stop him stop them from bringing no. that. There is a difference in civil claims, and there are limitations in civil claims. Um, ordinarily, that is about six years after the you know, whatever you're claiming for, you know, after that, you know, the, the, the cause of action, basically, um, if you've got, if it is, so you've got six years to go at uh, that, um, but criminally, no, there's nothing unless it's just in the mags. Excellent. Um, and finally then, before we, um, look at Suella Braverman, um, did you, when you were a barrister working for the police, did you ever prosecute these kinds of cases or is it, would there be a separate advocate who specialised in that and you'd do proceeds of crime or how does it work? Yeah, well, I, I, I did some sort of sex offender cases. There weren't prosecutions of, because obviously I was when I was working for the police, it wasn't, it'd be the CPS who prosecute. Um, so I, I, I did a number of cases against you know, fairly serious sexual offenders, but it, it was it was for sort of like ancillary orders such as sexual harm prevention orders and so on, which we've mentioned previously when we talked about the Tom Bins case. He was made the subject of one of those, yeah. um, one of those orders. So I used to deal deal with those. Um, ordinarily, you will have a pro- the prosecutor dealing with it will be someone who's been given specific training. You know, like it's the same for the judges as well. You know, like they, they, you know, it's called having your sex ticket, which I was thought was an interesting wow. turn of phrase. Yeah, so, so, so judges for certain offences, you will need a judge with, you know, with with their sex ticket to be able to do that because of the complexities of, of the victims giving evidence as much as anything else. You know, so special measures are offering are often invoked and and so on, and 
you know, the, the, there has to be, these trials should run differently to normal trials because of the nature of, of what we're talking about. You know what I mean? So, uh, so yeah, so you, you, you would have people that specialize in prosecuting and defending these cases. Um, certainly when it gets up to the Crown Court um, and, and they would be the ones who would deal with them. Excellent. Right. Braverman then, what happened? Okay, so how long do we have left now? <laughs> well, six minutes because... Six minutes, right, let's do it. Let's... Yes, you save every 15 minutes. I mean, you can do it in 10 if you want. I'll, 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 do, I'll do it quite quickly um, because I'd, you know, I, I just wanted to sort of mention it because, like, again, there were one or two things. I just wanted to have a whinge about it more than anything else, to be honest with you. <laughs> so, so I don't know what, how much of the speech you heard. I, I turned the radio on and, and thought it was one of these what if the Nazis had won the Second World War type yes. play for today type things well, that's on the, the radio. That's the bit that I got in on and then I saw that yesterday on Twitter at X and then I went, oh, no. I know you're going to do this. <laughs> I just do. Because <laughs> it's like catnip to you, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yes, so was it not like, was she not sort of talking about some nightmare scenario as if the Tories, as if the Tories, sorry, as if the Nazis had been in power for the last 80 years as opposed that, to the Tories? That, that's, that's, that's what it sounded like, you know what I mean? And she was like talking about, it was like, there were one or two turns of phrase that were really sinister, you know, like and, and dangerous as well. Because, I mean, to be fair, she wasn't saying anything that I've not heard bigots say down the pub, you yes. know what I mean? But the fact that she's the Home Secretary just <laughs> empowers that, you know what I mean? And that's the issue. Yeah. Um, and So what it, was she saying then? What did she actually say? So, so, so effectively, she was she was basically saying that the Refugee Convention isn't fit for purpose anymore. It was drafted in 1951. The world has moved on then. Yeah. Um and it needs, it, and I mean, to be fair, if you should stop there, you would say that's not a bad point because, as we've discussed previously when we talked about refugees and, and so on, is that you look at the definition of, of, of a refugee, um, it doesn't actually include people that are fleeing war in general or fleeing, you know, um, climate catastrophe or, or whatever. Yes. It, it refers to someone, so the exact word is someone who is unable or unwilling to return to their country of origin owing to a well-founded fear of being persecuted for reasons of race, religion, nationality, membership of a particular social group or political opinion. You know, that's different from someone fleeing natural disasters or whatever. You know, that, that they're displaced people in a different way. So and if you look at what are the problems that are likely to be facing humanity in the coming years and, and decades, actually, the, the, that definition of refugee probably doesn't cover lots of people. And that there, there have had to be, um, you know, further conventions and... and um, agreements between different countries to bolster that in different scenarios. Like there's the, I think it's the, the, the Cartagena Declaration or something that allowed um, Colombia to take people from neighbouring countries where there was, I think in Venezuela, when there was, you know, like sort of collapse there of that society. Um, and that wasn't, you know, it's because it filled the gaps. So actually, it, her point is quite true there, but she was arguing it from the opposite perspective. Yeah. So what she was saying is that we are facing like, uh, we know we're in the middle. We're in the middle of, or, the, or, or maybe the beginning of, a sort of like period of mass migration, which you know can, which will present problems. That's true, you know, not least for the people having to migrate, um, and therefore we need something to to help deal with this. But her view of doing that is like let's gut out this refugee thing and bin everybody off. That seems to and, and stop people from coming in because what she was arguing for was basically 
to be able to just close borders, which is a different thing entirely. And that's going back to the dark days of the Iron Curtain and, you know, and, and authoritarian regimes across Europe, which ultimately has led to wars and millions of people being dead, you know? So yeah. Um, it's, yeah, so, so she was arguing that point. She came out with a point about, you know, like some people are refugees, but others aren't, you know, and, and basically she suggested that um, people, members of the LGBTQ plus community um, who face discrimination at home can't be, shouldn't be considered for refugee as wow. refugees. Well, there's now, parts of the world where you can be murdered, you can be beheaded, and you see exactly, all the time. Exactly. Now, this is the thing, is that the, re- the, the definition of a refugee hasn't changed. Let's, so let's listen to, again, someone who is unable or unwilling to return to their country of origin owing to a well-founded fear of being persecuted for reasons of race, religion, nationality, membership of a particular social group or political opinion. Now, Nowhere in there does it say discriminated against. It says fear of being persecuted. Yeah. So the, the, there isn't, it's a straw man argument that, the, you know, that there is no, the, you know, discrimination doesn't feature at all in refugee law or in the, or in the law relating into refugees around the world. So it doesn't exist. So I think she was just, she was just broadcasting to, yeah. she I mean, she, she expressly, expressly referenced idiots and bigots, but said that it's not fair to call people that. Um, but that's basically who she was talking to there, <laughs> you know. So she, she's, she, she's, she's, you know, it, it doesn't exist. She kept referring to um, uncontrolled immigration as if that exists anywhere, which it doesn't, um, or as if if that's you know like on the table, you know, as if that's something that Labour are proposing or, or the Liberals. And she she did very sort of like lots of sleight of hand, you know. She basically said that. You know, without uncontrolled immigration, there's 800 million people couldn't be refugees and they could all come and live in your town and steal your... That's basically the point she was making. And she said, and this is the world that liberals want, which isn't true. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, you know, some people might want no borders, but that's not a mainstream political view. You know what I mean? So so she was being very disingenuous, um, to put it politely. Um, and, I, it, you know, it, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a speech... That was made by a serious uh, politician or indeed person uh, with with any sort of like facts to hand. Um, it was all largely based on any figures that she did mention were ones that were plucked out from an obscure sort of report yeah. that was produced by a think tank that she did the foreword for. You know what I mean? Right. There's... I saw that. I, I actually saw that this morning on Twitter. Did she not use a number like seven hundred and thirty million? It was like getting off like eight hundred million. Yeah. Right. Um, people that could potentially be classed as that could potentially be, be um, eligible to be considered as um, refugees, and I think that came it came from this report. The the um, I can't remember the name of the report, but basically, um, yeah, it, it's the, and that number doesn't seem to be anything other than the total population of countries that have been deemed to be effectively unstable. You wow. know what I mean? So, so that's potentially, everybody. yeah, every single person in any country. So not like not just Syria, but everybody. yeah. So so yeah, and, and every on, single and, person in there. Yeah, and this is the point though: is that actually the definition of a refugee doesn't say about who lives where or whatever. It's someone who's unable or unwilling to return to their country of origin because of those various reasons. And the fact is that every single person in the world. Is potentially eligible to be considered a refugee yes. if the circumstances in their homeland changes. You know what I mean? So um, that again, it's that sort of argument 
that, it, that they use when it comes to wanting to get rid of human rights, for example. And they get greedily lapped up by, again, idiots and bigots, because that's the only people I think who want to get rid of human rights, um, because they don't see that they benefit from it. They always think it's somebody else who benefits. But actually, the un these things are universal and the rights that everybody has. You know what I mean? And you don't, the fact that you've not had to enforce them yet doesn't mean that you don't benefit from having them. Um, and if you get rid of them, and when it comes to the point where you might have to enforce them, then you might be a bit sorry about the fact that you went down this little rabbit hole with the likes of Sabella Braverman, you know. Yes. Well, possibly not much longer because there's um, uh, a general election in the next 12 months, isn't there? There has to be. Yeah. So that would yeah. be interesting. So, who you, exactly. I, who I, think, I think this is her. Who am I voting for? <laughs> and whatever I'd, you do, I'm going to do the opposite. And I'm going oh, yeah. right. to move right. to... It's pointless. It, it, to be honest, it's utterly pointless, me voting I, I, anyway. Because probably... Right. This, I don't know about you in Bolton, but this is such a Labour... Like all, well, no, I, all of Manchester is such a Labour stronghold that... Our MPs are Tory. In Bolton? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's all those... Orich and Lostock knobheads, isn't it? <laughs> it's exactly those Horwich and Lostock knobheads, that's right. That's the constituency I'm in. And also, the next constituency along as well, that's also um, that's also uh, a Tory one now as well. Like They got rid of Labour last time round for one of these, you know, they're like the 2019 young Tory yeah. MPs who've never done anything else in their lives. Yeah. Um, yeah, one of them was like airlifted in. I think he'll be gone on in the next one. Um, yeah, so I'm surrounded by working class Tories, it seems. Oh you know. my god! Well, good. That's good. So that's my my. Um, you know, I have lots of reservations about the direction that the Labour Party is under. I'm I'm voting basically next time against Chris Green MP. That's it. That's what I'm, that's what I'm voting for. <laughs> right. I am going to start campaigning for Chris Green. <laughs> do you know what he's the green candidate as well technically i'm sure some people I'm vote for him by accident people yeah, will yeah. vote for him by accident well you know one or two but yeah i think we've said it before but democracy i might i might stand change my name to giles tory and then stand and see how many i get oh god yeah i would love to see you You'd look like the novelty candidate. <laughs> oh, is he from the monster raving lefty loony party? <laughs> Those are his normal clothes. Why is he playing some Mexican panpipes? I don't know, he just likes them. What's that he's eating? It's some sort of tofu with fish on it. <laughs> Very good. Right, so we're done. So it was a bit Russell Brandy, and it was, and then you were on brand with refugees. Yes. Can exactly. we do actual like crime cases one time? Because yeah. Harry Orangutans and Tammy Webster have put their money where their mouth is, and yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. want a bit more gore. I think. How do you know that? You don't know what they want. Maybe well, they maybe. I can't imagine big hairy orangutan is a refugee unless he is fleeing <laughs> like some Borneo jungle because his habitat's. He's being persecuted by all the palm oil farmers, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah, so check your peanut butter purchases. <laughs> I think Nutella style products. Uh, chocolate spread, I think some of those might contain palm oil as well. In the no, Nutella is basically palm oil with a bit of brown food colouring, I think. That's pretty much what it is, yeah. yeah. 
it's disgusting. I don't like it. So, so just like the people who say, well, I never find Russell Brand funny. Um, so we, <laughs> uh, it's the exact same, isn't it? I don't like Nutella, so I'm not guilty of deforestation. Exactly. Yes, um, it's not enough just to be. You know, like you have to be anti Nutella, not just indifferent to Nutella, don't yes. you? So, yeah. Yes, exactly. I am anti Nutella. I think it's rubbish. <laughs> I think it ruins a pancake. I don't know how it became to just be on pancakes. French, French people are weird. Ital- it's Italian Nutella, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, yeah. it sounds it actually. But it, <laughs> they put it on pancakes, don't they? That's where it. That's its main use. Nutella. Really, I have it on. I used to have it on sandwiches when I was oh, a kid. Well, Bit of Warby's bread with Nutella on. Fusion cuisine from across Europe. <laughs> right. Um, so, thank you, Tammy Webster. Thank you, Big Harry Orangutan. <laughs> <laughs> How much money have I sent you of this twenty quid we've received? No, uh, none so oh, far. Okay. And how much money have you sent me for the 18 pounds a month we spend on this podcast well oh, none exactly i wasn't i wasn't going to start uh, stamping my feet about that <laughs> right i'll i'll sort you out with something uh, <laughs> oh a big shout out to k freeman long time sponsor of the show right <laughs> yeah and um, time for some dinner now i am going to have cheese on toast like a human person <laughs> um, bye everybody thank you yeah bye <laughs>